and welcome to mini episode 167 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have two spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from January the 31st, 2022. And story number one comes from Liara. I suppose the best place to start would be with the house on the edge of town that I lived in during my adolescence. Cliché, I know. But this house was literally on the most northern point of my small BC town. The backyard had no fence and opened up into the wild reaches of the British Columbia forests, which I'm sure now was part of the reason I had experienced some of the things that I had while we lived there. I can recall the night that my family had gone to view the home prior to purchasing it and moving in. Immediately upon entering the house, I remember how utterly dark everything seemed. Not because of the time of year in a remote northern town, but because the very energy of the house seemed heavy and unwelcoming, especially the basement. My parents had asked me if I liked the house, and I remember saying that it felt cold and made me afraid. But sadly, the laments of a hormonal 11-year-old who hates everyone and everything are rarely considered in the context of purchasing a new home. As you might assume, we moved in regardless, and things became unusual straight away. As a matter of fact, The very first night was when I had experienced the first of what would become a long string of sleepless nights filled with terror. The house was ultimately a large two-story rectangle, with my parents' room, the office and the guest room upstairs, and my brother and I's rooms, you guessed it, in the basement. We had done away with our childhood bedroom furniture just before moving in. As a result, I was sleeping on my old mattress on the floor. My mattress had been tucked into a corner and from my vantage while laying on my side, I could see straight out underneath that bedroom door and into the hallway. This hallway adjoined mine and my brother's rooms with a downstairs living room, which would become absolutely pitch black at night and would scare the hell out of me. On that first night on the mattress, I was having a hard time falling asleep and remember feeling extremely anxious. Knowing that this was likely due to new house jitters, I tried my best to write it off and fall asleep, but the anxiety of my new room kept me tossing and turning from side to side. In the midst of this, I turned onto my side and stared out underneath my bedroom door into the hallway. Just then, the hallway lights flicked on, then off, then on, and then off again, and repeated doing so for about one or two minutes. Staring in horror, I tried to process what I had just seen, The sequence of lights was too controlled to be a short circuit of some sort and had started at the exact moment that I decided to look out under the doorway. It just felt like it was meant for me to see, right at that moment. The next day I told my parents what I had seen, but of course was immediately written off. In the weeks that followed, our new furniture would arrive and I would take to sleeping with our family dog Shadow. My room was situated in such a way that my bedroom door was directly opposite to the downstairs living room. I remember many nights falling asleep with my bedroom door closed, only to awake in the middle of the night to my dog poised on its haunches at the end of my bed, growling into the darkness of the living room, with my bedroom door somehow open. The terror that filled me those nights, combined with how unreasonably cold my room would become, would prevent me from working up the courage to get up and close the door. And so I would just lay there, sleepless, and completely afraid for seemingly no reason. 
The feeling of sudden terror entering your body was entirely new to me. But after many years and many other encounters, I now associate that feeling with a sort of clear sentience and intuition that something with dark intent is nearby. One night in particular, something happened that would validate my feelings of sudden unease, and I would learn to trust this instinct implicitly thereafter. The night began like any other. I struggled to fall asleep and was laying on my side while I kept my gaze fixed on the small TV that lit up my dark basement bedroom. As was my usual routine, I would begin to feel frightened and eventually envelop myself in covers, in fear of seeing whatever I could sense was lurking nearby. That night, for some reason that I still curse to this day, my dog had decided to sleep with my little brother in the room adjacent to mine. I remember suddenly feeling a rise of terror in my body to a point that I had not yet experienced. I pulled the blankets closely around my face and body and curled up into a little ball, drawing my awareness to the fact that someone, or something, was standing behind me. My door was closed and I hadn't heard any footsteps entering my room, but I could just feel the overwhelming presence of something standing there leaning over me from behind. As I laid there for what felt like an eternity, waiting for this feeling to pass and trying to work up the courage to turn around and confront what was lurking there, I felt it. A cold hand reached out, grabbed my shoulder, squeezed and quickly released. The sensation that rippled through my body in response to this touch is almost indescribable and like nothing that I have experienced to this day. It sent a chilling shock of pure, cold dread throughout my entire body and it was almost as though I felt a momentary surge of paralysis in response. It felt like I had just been touched by death. No, I did not turn around after that. I covered myself in blankets and started reciting the Lord's Prayer while silently weeping underneath the covers. It was during this period that I would come to learn the Lord's Prayer very well and would often recite it dozens of times in order to fall asleep in that horrid room. Other things would randomly happen around the house. Feelings of being watched, hearing voices or conversations in the downstairs bathroom while I showered, not great, hearing our laundry room doors sliding open and closed on their own, our dog growling or barking at seemingly nothing. Oh, and an infestation of gigantic, hairy black spiders everywhere. Whether or not that last one is paranormal, it still sucked. Because my parents would often still be at work after I got home from school, my little brother would stay out to play with his friends, and I was old enough to be left on my own. There was a period right after coming home from school where I would be alone in the house with my dog. Despite it being daylight, which made everything in that house feel somehow less menacing, this time of day was one that I would always dread because of the fact that I was all by myself in a house that I was utterly convinced was haunted. One day after coming home from school, I remember being in the house alone and laying with my dog on the sofa in our upstairs living room. The sofa was up against a wall that separated the living room from my parents' room and you would need to walk directly past the sofa to get into their room. I was holding my small dog against my chest and started to doze off slightly, closing my eyes for a moment. Seconds later, I heard the unmistakable shuffle of rapid footsteps on our high pile carpet scuttling past the sofa and into my parents' room. 
The dog and I both immediately shot up, looking around the room to find no one there. Yet I was certain that I had just heard footsteps inches away from me. Although I had closed my eyes for a moment, I knew that what I heard and what my dog also reacted to was real. Sitting there looking around the room in confusion, I started to hear heavy, laboured breathing coming from my parents' room directly behind me. Unsure of what I was hearing, I put my ear close to my dog to make sure I wasn't actually hearing the sound of him panting. I wasn't. The breathing started to get louder and louder, and now I was certain I could hear wheezing and the sound of the slight whistle your nose makes when it's blocked or congested. I didn't bother to stick around to make sure that what I was hearing was either A, an intruder, or B, a ghost. I grabbed the phone next to me and hauled ass downstairs with my little poodle in tow, barricading myself in my room and hid under the bed. I called my mom at work, freaking out, telling her what had just happened, and she told me to stay calm and stay put until she got home, as she was just leaving. I waited there in total silence seeing if I could hear what I honestly thought was an intruder making their way across the house. For the next 30 minutes or so, until my mom got home, the house stayed silent enough to hear a pin drop. No footsteps, no doors opening, nothing. My mom came home and immediately did a sweep of the house, checking each room, closet, behind every door and found nothing. I think it was right around this time that my mother had started to believe some of the things that were happening to me in this house. It is interesting to note that many people believe the energy released during adolescence or puberty will often attract spiritual activity, even in homes that are new and have never been lived in. I definitely feel that this played a part in why I was seemingly the only person experiencing things there. I also want to point out that this was during a time of extreme strain in my parents' marriage. I recall a period of several weeks or months where my father was sleeping in the spare room. As a result, the energy in the house was always heavy, and I truly believe that this attracted the negative entities that may have been passing through the neighbouring forest. Due to the uncertainty of my parents' relationship, we ended up moving out only a year and a half after moving in, which I could not have been more thankful for. Years later, my brother would come out and discuss some odd experiences he had while living at the house, although he more closely equates these experiences with extraterrestrial encounters. Perhaps it was our young minds trying to understand the unexplainable and completely unfathomable events that had happened to us and just ending up at differing conclusions about the nature of our paranormal experiences. Whatever it was... I'm glad that chapter is one that I only open from time to time to recount the experiences, and not one that I would have to endure again until much later in life. You are all throwing some serious shade at me this week by unlocking all of my deepest, darkest fears. And one of those deepest, darkest fears is the fear of having the light on in the hallway when you're in bed, and that light coming under the door, and the fear of seeing the shadow of somebody passing that light under the door past the crack under the door or feet standing there it's actually my worst nightmare even as an adult and you know I'd like to think of myself as a pretty level-headed and relatively brave adult when it comes to paranormal stuff if I was lying in bed and I saw feet in the hallway 
or my hallway light flickering on and off, I would be petrified. There's no way I'd be getting out of that bed. I would be inside that mattress on the floor. I'd have cut a hole in it and crawled into it because there's no way. There's no way I'd be going out anywhere. It is just one of my big old deep dark fears. And then to have that feeling of somebody being in your room where you're curled up really small, too afraid to turn around and it grabs your shoulder. No grabbing. None of that. No touching. Honestly, it really does seem like the post hashtag me too era has not stretched to the undead or to the dead. Okay, we'll include zombies just for the sake of it. But it has not stretched to those who have passed on. There needs to be no touching. That includes demons. That includes shadow people. That includes aliens. Aliens in particular, actually, they do a lot of non-consensual touching. That needs to not be happening. And then doing that heavy breathing in another room? No. No, no, no. Like, this all sounds horrendous. And I'm glad that your mom started to believe you finally. Because I do understand, you know hormonal teenagers it's like nothing you can do is right in the eyes of a hormonal teenager and moving house is the worst thing in the world often for a hormonal teenager so your mom was probably thinking oh she's just being dramatic she's just acting out and it'll pass etc etc and then suddenly your mom starts going hang on weird things are happening and I do like what you said about first of all adolescent energy That's a commonly held belief among like paranormal enthusiasts that teenagers exude a lot of energy that attracts spirits. And I wonder if there's something to be said about the negative atmosphere in a household, like if your parents were struggling within their marriage, does that attract something? I don't know, because so often the stories that we hear on the podcast are all centered around family dynamics that have gone wrong whether it's relationships have broken down, whether it's somebody's sick, there's something that's like exuding negative energy from within the family, like a situation or an event or relationships that are exuding negative energy. Does that attract things? I'm also kind of dying to know what experiences your brother had that made him think that it was extraterrestrial encounters. Dying to know, but also don't want to know, but also tell him to email the story in. And story number two comes from Mark. I live in a small town in Cheshire. I'm now four to six years old, but when I was 10 or 11, we moved house with our parents. It was a fairly traumatic time as they were trying to start again after a few problems. And unfortunately, within months of moving house, they announced that they were to separate. This meant a lot of upheaval and disruption for us kids with comings and goings over the following years as mum had new partners before eventually remarrying. My mum had a friend who was a medium, and she did salt readings, something I had never heard of, and they also dabbled quite frequently in the Ouija board. When my mum was single, her friends would call around every Thursday evening and they would have a drink and use the board as well as doing card readings, etc. I saw them do the Ouija board once. The glass was moving without assistance around the board and at some pace so I knew it wasn't just two friends joking around with something they didn't really understand. My mum had a bad experience with the board when she was in her teens. Herself and her cousins contacted a distant Irish relative they didn't know. He wouldn't let them leave the board, and when they did, the glass flew off and smashed into a wall. So my mum knew about how dangerous and irresponsible it could be. 
I knew a bit about the Ouija board, as friends had used it in school, and the board told one of my friends that he would be dead by the age of 21. You can imagine the emotional damage this did to him. So I knew a bit about the dangers, and it made me anxious that my mum was doing this in the next room. Anyway, to demonstrate how good and accurate a reader my mum's friend was, these are fairly mundane examples, but give a good indicator of her accuracy. One night after school, she did a salt reading for me. She said she kept seeing the words Rose Bowl repeatedly. That night after school, I had bought a live vinyl album that was recorded at the Pasadena Rose Bowl, Depeche Mode's 101. She didn't know this at all. She also said she could see people running over a bridge and she was looking down on them. On the way home from school, I had also called into a sports shop and they were putting up a poster of the London Marathon. It was a bird's eye view of runners crossing what I assume was Tower Bridge. Again, she knew nothing of this. I don't know if the house was already haunted, but in the following years, the building became a very dark and very oppressive place to live. My mum had a brief relationship with a man. One night while staying at our house, he got up to use the bathroom and my bedroom door was ajar. He said he could see that I was flat out asleep, but there was an elderly woman sitting on my bed combing her hair. He was in no way the kind of guy who would actively believe in the supernatural. If anything, he was a bit of a cynic and someone who didn't bullshit about anything. I also had a sleepover one night and the following morning, my mum came into my room to check on myself and my friend. I was still asleep, typical of me, but my friend told my mum that he saw an old woman come into the room in the middle of the night and ask my mum who she was. My mum was obviously taken aback by this and it confirmed the suspicions already raised by her partner. My mum continued to keep all of this from me and my friend never told me about his sighting until years later. There were other sightings of this elderly woman. My cousin who was in her 20s had come to visit one weekend. She was sitting in the living room with my mum watching TV when she suddenly asked, Who's the old woman? She pointed my mum towards our staircase and sat there, clear as day, was an old woman knitting a cardigan. She instantly disappeared before their eyes. On another night, my mum returned from a night out with her partner. When they opened the front door, the woman was seen by both of them, standing praying in front of a grandfather clock in the hallway. Again, she instantly disappeared. Gradually, I came to learn about these sightings. One night, I had my eyes closed, half asleep, when I felt the movement of someone sitting down on my bed. Then a loud laugh in my ear. This wasn't a friendly laugh. If I could describe it, it would be like a stereotypical witch's cackle. That's the only way I can think to describe it. I didn't see anyone, but the laughter was clear and unnerving. Not long after this, I was about to leave my bedroom dressed ready for school one day, when out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone dressed in what looked like a white nightdress cross the landing into my sister's room. I could have sworn my sister had already left for school, so I followed into her room. The room was empty. It was a sunny day and as I entered the room, dust particles were clear in the air, as though someone had disturbed them. The building itself had creaky floorboards and we would hear the noise of someone walking around on the landing quite frequently when no one else would be home or we knew no one was upstairs. The sightings increased, coinciding with my mum meeting a new partner. This guy became her husband 
but he wasn't a pleasant man by any stretch of the imagination. He gradually became verbally, emotionally and physically abusive to us all, bullying us, threatening us, etc. He once tried to burn us all in our beds. He made my mum and my sister stay in a bedroom together while he set fire to clothes downstairs. I had to talk him out of it, something that happened on many occasions. That's just a small example of how wicked and evil he could be, and probably is, if truth be told, only the tip of the iceberg of the things that he did. We eventually had a secret emergency button installed in the house, which would alert the police if we were in danger. A few years into their marriage, my mum's husband got really sick with hepatitis. He was bedridden for weeks. When he improved and came out of it, he said that while he lay there for weeks, he could see a demon-like figure hovering over the bed, looking down on him, like it was waiting for him to die, to take his soul away. Unfortunately, this guy is still alive today, terrorising other families. But this incident gives me some comfort that he will one day get some kind of justice for the despicable things he did to us and other families. My mum eventually, after years of false dawns, plucked up the courage to leave him. We had to do a midnight flight and run away, leaving him in the house on his own. He later told my mum that when he was staying there alone, every time he was in the kitchen, where mum used to dabble in the dark arts, he could see a huge, spindly black figure standing over the doorway watching him. There were so many other incidents over the years, too many to recount, really. We did move back there once my mum went through court cases and got her ex removed from the house. When I was in my late teens, I was leaving my bedroom one night with my girlfriend at the time, when she stopped in her tracks. She said, What the hell is that? When I looked beyond her, as she was in front of me, there was a dark silhouette moving down the stairs, as though someone's shadow was moving against the wall. My mum did eventually move house, and we knew the people who moved in afterwards. They didn't stay there long. When we asked them why they moved, they said they felt uneasy at the property, like there was something dark and malevolent there. They had a young son who just couldn't settle there at all. I don't know whether my mum opened the house up to whatever haunted the place. It seemed to me that there wasn't just one presence there, but something that was either taking on different forms or a whole host of otherworldly darkness. I often wondered if something followed me or attached itself to me. The property I live at with my partner, we've been there for 15 years, despite never really settling here, and it having the same oppressive and dark feeling as our old house did when I was growing up. Things go missing regularly, and turn up where we've already looked. At our old house I remember mum's necklace going missing one day, it was missing for weeks and then randomly turned up, placed perfectly over the corner of her mattress. That's the sort of thing that's continued to happen. And I've never mentioned this to anyone. But several years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night not feeling quite right. My heart was racing. I have quite bad anxiety and convinced myself I was having a heart attack. When I looked towards the window, there was a dark figure there. It was like the typical death, being what we see in movies and we see in folklore. Dark cloak, holding a scythe, clear white face and black nothingness for eyes. After a while the vision faded, but I can see it engraved in my mind's eye even now. I can't help but feel that in dabbling with the Ouija board, my mum opened our lives and our home up to all kinds of dangers, both of this physical world and of another realm. I know you've said frequently about how dangerous the board is, 
and I would urge anyone thinking of messing with the unknown to think again. I looked up what salt reading was and I can't find anything that explains what salt reading actually is. All I kept getting was um, ways to psychically lose weight, which is not what I'm here for. So thanks, Google. So if you know what salt reading is or Mark, if you are listening, I'd really appreciate it if you could let me know what it is because I'm just really curious as to what it is. I don't know what it was about the old woman that was seen regularly in the house. Whatever about the old woman sitting on the bed combing her hair. But for some reason, the image of her sitting on the stairs knitting as clear as day really gave me goosebumps. Like it gave me real heebie-jeebies and I don't know why. It just seems like such a freaky image to have just seen her as clear as day and then she disappeared in front of their eyeballs. It really gave me the heebie-jeebies. And the thing is, is that there's loads of people that have seen this woman. It's not just you or your sister, like the kids in the house. So you saw it, your mum's partner saw it at the time, your cousin saw it, which makes it kind of worse, to be honest. And I wonder, you know, like we said in the previous story, is it possible that having this new, very violent partner in the household who it sounds I mean it sounds like the situation was absolutely horrendous and I am glad that your mum eventually got away and was able to bring you guys away as well but like is it possible that the negativity surrounding that was keeping something there and you know what I can totally understand wanting to think that this man is going to get his comeuppance at some point when he was sick with hepatitis and he was seeing a demon-like figure sort of waiting for him to die and after you guys left and he was seeing a really dark spindly silhouette moving around the house you kind of would want to think yeah you are going to get your comeuppance at some point for all of the terrible terrible things that you did so in that regard it's a little bit like nice one ghosts thanks for having our back you know and what I'd like you to do now is to uh go back through the episodes, go back and re-listen to all of them if you must. Take some time, find a Ouija board PSA, give it a good old listen, give it a good proper listen, take the information on board and uh, leave those Ouija boards alone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Liara and Mark for sending in your stories. Remember the last story came from January the 31st, 2022. If you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, you can find out anything that you need to know on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. If you are desperate for more content, you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash Stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every single mini and main episode completely and utterly ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. <laughs>